Good morning. I want to welcome you to First Baptist Sandy Springs. This is the day the Lord has made. He made it for you, and he made it for me, and he made it for us to enjoy. So I'm going to ask you to stand as we sing together and worship him this morning. <clears throat> Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship your holy name, the sun comes up. It's a new day dawning It's time to sing your song again Whatever may pass And whatever lies before me Let me be singing when the evening comes Bless the
in Sandy Springs, and in 1970-something in Sandy Springs, there wasn't traffic. It, it was a great place to learn how to drive. And we had role models on TV that taught us how to drive. Starsky and Hutch, <laughs> Bo and Luke Duke, we watched them and we drove. I've had two wrecks in my life, two both in Sandy Springs, both in 1970-something, both in the same week. <laughs> You're laughing at me, aren't you? One was in this parking lot, right at the end of the front walk, and one was at the Stone Church between the two buildings at the parking lot towards, there used to be honeysuckle there. I was in two different cars for my demolition derby debut. But statistically speaking, I did something miraculous. I hit the same car twice. <laughs> I'm not making this up. I hit the same car twice. 
It belonged to Nancy Beasley, David Beasley's sister. I remember telling my father the second time, Daddy, I hit Nancy's car. I know you did, son, was his response. No, sir, I did it again. (laughs) And there was silence. And I waited. I waited for what I deserved. I was guilty. I waited for wrath, for destruction, for vengeance. And instead, I received a hug. Love, kindness, and forgiveness. And as I recall, a pretty good lecture. In spite of my failures, I was not kicked out of the household. I was allowed to eat supper that night and to stay in my own bed. As Thanksgiving approaches, I want to talk about one of my biggest surprises And I want all of us to be thankful to God for His grace, the grace of God. Let me read a great Thanksgiving psalm. It's Psalm 103. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise His holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things He does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens upon, above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Let's pray together. Lord, that's the truth. And help our lives to be shaped by the truth. Let our image of you be shaped by the truth. And let our thanksgiving this week be influenced by the truth of your word. As we celebrate, let us look beyond these earthly boundaries to the things from you, all good things from you. And let us celebrate and be thankful for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Verse 10 of Psalms 103 is one that ought to be underlined and highlighted and memorized. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. 
Does that make anyone inside in, in this room besides me thankful? It should. That's God's grace. And there are so many examples of that in this room and in our lives and in this world and in Scripture. And one of my favorite stories of grace from Scripture we've looked at before, we'll look at again, is a familiar story, but it proves our point today. So we're going to visit with our friend Zacchaeus once again. Our friend Luke tells a story in chapter 19, beginning at verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus, and he was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up and saw Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down, took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He's gone to the guest, be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. But meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I'll give half my wealth to the poor. And Lord, if I've cheated anyone, people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. In that story, and as we think about thanksgiving and being thankful for God's grace, there's a few principles, four really, I want us to look at. Number one, if you want to get close to Jesus, you can. We're going to talk about that. Number two, don't let anything get in your way. We're going to talk about that. Number three, take Jesus home with you. Allow him into your private life. We'll talk about that. And finally, transformation is always evident because of God's grace, and we'll talk about that. But first, if you want to get close to Jesus, you can. Zacchaeus had a different reputation than all of us in this room. Yours is better than his was not just a tax collector and hated as a result of that, but the chief tax collector and very rich. He was a Jewish man that had turned on his own people and he was not liked. He was not cared for. But Luke tells us Zacchaeus wanted to get close to Jesus. And remember one of the principles, if you want to, you can. I've always wondered why. Why did Zacchaeus want to follow Jesus? Did he have an ailment and he wanted to get healed? Well, he seemed pretty healthy. He climbed a tree, didn't he? Is it the hurt that he has from what people are saying about him? Is he guilty? What's going on in his life? I wonder if maybe he was a friend of Matthew, Matthew the ex-tax collector. Did he go to a party at Matthew's house and was Jesus there? Did he hear about the party or how Matthew had changed? Let me refresh your memory of what I'm talking about. Matthew tells this story in chapter 9, beginning at verse 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man, Matthew, sitting at a tax collector's booth. 
Yes, the Matthew that wrote these words. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed Jesus from tax collector to disciple. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. See why I read you that? Does it make you wonder if Zacchaeus was there at the party with the disreputable sinners and tax collectors? We don't know. But whatever the reason, Zacchaeus was ready to see Jesus and to meet him. And remember the principle, if you want to get close to Jesus, you can. If you're not a Christian, this is for you. And if you are a Christian, this is for you because we all need to get closer. Remember the words from the first part of James chapter 4, verse 8, draw close to God and he'll draw near to you. That is true. We began this focusing on Psalm 103.10. He does not punish us for our sins and deal harshly with us as we deserve. I wonder if someone shared that with Zacchaeus. Because these words were written by the time Zacchaeus hit the planet. David wrote Psalms 103. And surely Zacchaeus knew the story about David and his problem with sin. And Zacchaeus like David, wanted to get close. And he needed to know that he does not punish us for all of our sins and does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. So if you want to get close to Jesus, you can. Leads us to our next principle. Don't let anything get in your way. Be persistent. You know his story. He was too short to see over the crowd, so he climbed a tree. He was persistent. He wasn't going to be stopped. He persevered despite obstacles. He wasn't going to let anything get in his way. Today, there can be all sorts of things that get in our way from being close to Jesus. Sin, guilt, wrong priorities, hurt feelings, lack of teaching, apathy. The list can be endless. I think about my friend Chuck when I think about people that have obstacles. For years, he told people he deserved hell and was going that way. He was mad at himself for the way his life had turned out. He was in a single car accident as a drunk driver, ran into a car lot and a curb and never walked again. His life was changed forever that night and he was bitter and his wife was a Christian and Chuck wanted nothing to do with it. He was angry and he was guilty and he wallowed in his misery and he allowed his feelings to dictate his life, not the truth of God's word. Now, that's important. You can go by your feelings or you can go by the truth of God's Word. And with his feelings, he beat himself up. It took a long time for Chuck to come to Jesus, but he finally did. And he needed to know the truth, that he does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. And that helped him knowing that it is removed as far as the east is from the west. So if you're on the outside or feel that way, don't let anything stand in your way. So after wanting to get close and not allowing anything to get in his way, Zacchaeus was rewarded. And I love this part, beginning at verse 5 of Luke 19. When Jesus came by, he looked up and 
Zacchaeus and called him by name. Now think about this. Everybody in the crowd could see Zacchaeus. He's up in a tree. He's a golf ball on a tee. And everybody's watching it, and they're waiting for Jesus to take a swing at him because he's taken from them, and they don't like it. And Jesus stops at the bottom of the tree, and they're thinking, maybe he's got a rope, and we're going to have a hanging right here. Zacchaeus, he said, and the crowd stops and listened intently for Jesus to chew him out. Come down. I need to be a guest in your house today. And the crowd couldn't believe it. He's going to his house. Zacchaeus got out of the tree in a hurry. He quickly climbed down, took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. And the crowd is bewildered. Verse 7 says, the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. And they grumbled. Can you imagine how Zacchaeus felt? I hope you can. He learned Jesus wasn't mad at him. He learned God didn't hate him. He knew that, he learned that Jesus knew him by name as he does you. And I love that. God knows your name and loves you too. We need to accept that and that's what Zacchaeus did. And as the crowd fumes and stews about this grace, Zacchaeus is about to learn the truth of Psalms 103.10. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. If you learn through repetition, read that one over and over and over. So, Principle three, allow Jesus into your private life. Zacchaeus took Jesus home. We have to do that too. You know Christianity isn't a Sunday thing. It's not something we can do just once a week. It's not something we can just do in this room. It's something we have to do everywhere all the time. It's a daily moment commitment, moment by moment. Jesus should be welcome in our most private areas in our relationships, and our attitudes, and our checkbooks, and our viewing habits, and our business deals. And if we think about an area in our life where Jesus is not welcome, we're wrong. He knows all that we do. There are no secrets. He wants to go with us everywhere we go. He's there anyway. We might as well acknowledge it. So let him into your life, all of your life. Finally, we get to principle four. Transformation is evident. Change is obvious. And that is so true with the grace of God. Verse 8 of Luke 19, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I'll give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. I'm already giving away half of what he has, and he's very rich. And if I've cheated anyone on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. That's more than the law required. The ex-thief is now a giver. The ex-lover of money is now a lover of the poor and the needy. The sinner is now a forgiven child of God. And I love that. That Jesus did not deal with Zacchaeus the way he deserved. 
nor hath he dealt with me in the way I deserve. Standing there in our den, guilty of two wrecks in one week, I learned about the grace of my earthly father. Through the years, I've needed more forgiveness for sins against my heavenly father. And I have received grace. I've been treated way better than I have deserved. This week, when you pause, when you stop to be thankful, thank God for his grace. That he does not treat us as we have deserved. Isn't that wonderful? Today we're going to end by singing a celebration song, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch, well, like me. During this, we also open the doors of our church for those seeking to join with us on the greatest journey you can take. So whatever God leads you to do publicly, privately, you will do that. But let's stand and sing and be thankful for God's amazing grace. Thank you.